Hi, welcome to Bible study. Hi. Hey, it's good to see everybody. It's good to be back. We were last week in Belfast, Northern Ireland, visiting our friend Tim. You all know Tim. And so Tim uh, hosted Bible study at his pad last Monday night. And so we had our Bible study, as we normally do, and that was good. And we enjoyed that and each other's company. And we recorded it and we posted it as a podcast. So it is available. It was a good one. Uh-huh. If I do say so myself, it was a good one. So if you had a chance, uh, where they're located uh, is uh, iTunes. They're posted to iTunes, so if you're familiar with iTunes, you can find them there. Uh, it's out there also, I believe, on Stitcher. And we also have a direct RSS feed that you can download the podcast off of. That's how they are obtained. I don't really give out that information too often because you're all here. (laughs) So you don't really need to download the podcast. But if you do happen to download a podcast off of iTunes, make sure you give us the highest rating possible. (laughs) our Stitcher or wherever you get it from uh, make sure we get a good rating and that helps us in our rankings to be able to uh, be heard more by more people so that would be fun I think or disastrous it's one or the other it's either fun or disastrous so we'll have to see how it goes I vote for fun fun let's go with fun I never vote for disaster let's not vote for that the other uh, thing that we've been thinking about is uh, putting in a, an option, and I would think this is mainly for people that are listening to us from other places, from AFAR, but uh, putting in a phone number that people can call and ask a question on. There's a way to do that, or you do it on your computer, and you can just ask a question, and then uh, I could answer a question or something. I like answering questions, so it might be something fun for us to try, or something to do. So, no, it's actually it's a voice recording. What's that? I was gonna say, couldn't they just write info? What's it? Oh yeah, yeah. I I just thought it'd be more fun to hear somebody actually asking a question. Yeah, that would be like a voicemail, but it's not really a voicemail. It's uh, you do it on the computer. Yes. I'll keep you updated on that one. Okay? Okay. If you have your Bibles, uh, we're going to open up to the book of James, chapter 1. And as you go in there, just want to pray and ask God's blessing on our time. Father, we thank you for tonight. We thank you for an opportunity, another opportunity to gather in the name of Jesus, in his power, his authority. And he's right here because we've gathered for those reasons and for those purposes and according to what he has for us tonight. So we welcome you, Jesus, here into our midst. We thank you. We ask, God, that you would teach us, that your Holy Spirit would empower us. I pray for revelation tonight. I pray for understanding. I pray that you would open up our hearts and our minds to all that you want to say. For ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. James chapter 1, verses 5 and 6. If I could get a volunteer to read that. If any of you lacks wisdom, you should ask God, who gives generously to all without finding fault, 
and it will be given to you. But when you ask, you must believe and no doubt, not doubt. Because the one who doubts is like a wave of the sea, blown and tossed by the wind. Alright, thanks for reading that. Uh, it's one of my favorite verses as far as ones that I use all the time. And I do, I use this verse all the time. Uh, when I speak to people, they ask me questions. They say, well, what do you think I should do? What, what, what direction should I go in? I'm not sure exactly what's going on. I, I always quote this verse, if you need wisdom, let me ask. And, and really the meaning of the verse goes deeper than that. That's a, almost a surface use of the verse in understanding what James meant when he said this. It's a lot more than just a, a, a momentary direction. It's more than just a momentary, well, it, what does God say about this or whatever. It, it's something else, and it's something more than that, and that's something I want to get into tonight. But basically, the theme of what I want to say is trust God. I'm going to continue a theme that I started on Sunday I didn't do it on purpose. This Bible study just came up in the rotation of the Bible studies as they come out of my notes. But it is a theme that carries on from Sunday, and that is trust God despite your circumstances. And and that's what I want to start with, and I, I believe that's something that will really move through the whole teaching. But God will supply our needs. So really the the issue becomes an issue of our own focus. And I I really want to challenge that in us that I really believe that God has a love that we can trust. I think that it's consistent. I think it's faithful. And I think He's proven His love over time, space, circumstance. And He just continues to love us. Whether or not we want to see that, whether or not we want to recognize that, that's a whole nother ballgame, but the idea that God loves us and continues to love us, I think is clear. And I think that He can do nothing more to show or prove His love to us than what He's already done. And so for us to take hold of that and trust His love, well, His love is, in a sense, very easy to trust because it's never changed. He loved us enough to lay down His life. 2,000 years ago, or a little bit more than 2,000 years ago. He's still loving us. So we have 2,000 years of that kind of love that He's consistently showing, consistently showed to us, maybe not personally, but to our ancestors, those who came before us, and He continues to love us today. From the time we were born to where we sit right now. No one in our lives can boast of that. No one can say they've loved us more than Jesus has. Ever. And so trusting His love is, in a sense, if we just think about what that means, an easy thing to do. It's far easier to trust in His love than in the love of people that we already trust. Because He's more consistent, His love is deeper, and His love is more meaningful than any of those people. That's the reality of it. And so we can trust His love. Now, the second component of that is trusting His timing. And and that can be difficult for people when they want something done in a particular order or in a specific time frame. And that happens. We get into circumstances. We can't see any other way. We can't think of any other way. It seems like it's getting late. And so we get upset about it. And we have trouble after a certain point trusting in God's timing. We like to think of it 
as we're waiting on the Lord, and that's good, and we will wait on the Lord until whatever internal alarm clock we have rings off in our head, and then all of a sudden it becomes a tragedy, or all of a sudden it becomes something that we don't want to deal with, or that we're afraid of, or that that incites fear in us, and then it gets hard to wait on Him. I mean, it's within our time frame, then waiting on Him is easy. So what does that tell you about your time frame? If you want to be good at waiting on the Lord, what does that tell you about a time frame? Well, why, why establish it? Okay, I want you to think about it for a second. If we're going to trust in God's timing, why do we have a time frame? On just about anything. But we do. All right? and, and so I think what that begins to suggest in our life, and I'm not going to make an absolute statement on this, but I think what it begins to suggest is that we're not necessarily trusting His timing from the beginning if we have our own time frame for something to take place. You following what I mean by that? I'm not making an absolute statement because I think there can be other reasons that we establish a time frame, but I think in, in a lot of real ways and a lot of practical ways, once we've established a time frame of when this has to happen or whatever needs to take place, that we need to really question, are we really trusting God's timing on this? Right. Right. So... Trusting His love, alright, good, that's the basis. Trusting His timing, we're starting to build something here. And then trusting His plan, whatever that plan is. And, and by plan, I mean, what's the big picture going on here? What is it? What's His plan for your life? I quoted a verse a few times yesterday, oh, He has begun a good work in you shall complete it. Well, what's the good work? It's His plan. And he's completing his plan. We're going to trust that. And so there's a bigger picture circumstance that's going on all the time. I was uh, flipping through the TV today. I don't normally do that, but I was just flipping through. And you know who I saw on there? Maury Povich. Maury Povich is on the TV. I didn't even know Maury Povich was still alive. Didn't know. But not only is Maury Povich still alive... He is still hosting a show. And there were people yelling and arguing on it and throwing things at each other. Still! Still! I mean, there's a a generation of people that have grown up watching Maury Povich on TV. Now, I think when I was a kid growing up, what did I grow up with? Big Bird? Oscar the Grouch? Yeah, Cookie Monster, Bert and Ernie. Yeah. All right, Maury Povich. <laughs> it wasn't even a who's your daddy moment today. It was it was straight up people just yelling at each other and arguing about stuff. Obviously, there's nothing better to put on television during that time slot than Maury Povich. Maury is still selling the ads. Yep. And that's kind of shocking. In a way. Because... Maybe to those unfamiliar with this program. Well, yes. yes. And I I do claim a certain degree of ignorance. Uh, Once Maury went to the genetic testing 
I really didn't watch too much after that. <laughs> no. Because it, it was every day, genetic testing. And it was every day, the woman saying, he's the daddy. All her friends saying, look at the baby, it looks just like him. And the guy saying, it wasn't me. Thousand percent, but everybody's a thousand percent sure, and then they read the thing at the end, and somebody's wrong. All right, that's the way it goes. Yeah, that poor woman that was—I don't even. She did not even say poor woman. That woman that was on there, that he kept bringing her back because she couldn't find the guy that was the father. Yeah. You mean almost every woman that was on there? Yeah. I don't know why I'm talking about this right now, but I, there's going to be a reason. It's going to pop up here in a second. But the idea that I'm trying to get at is this, is that God has a plan for us, and we get lost in the weeds. We just get lost in the weeds. We get lost in the details. We get lost in our own desires. We get lost in our own whatever it is that's going on in our hearts, our lives. We look at a situation and we just snap. Like maybe things have been going great for a certain amount of time, but we lose a, a hold on the big picture. We get lost in the little stuff. We get lost in the little things, and everything just explodes. And I don't know how many times that's going to happen to us through, through our lives. You know, For some of us, it's a more common occurrence than others, but it, it just seems like it's something that comes up every now and then in our lives because we lose a hold on the bigger picture, we lose a vision on the bigger picture of what God has for us. Because there are a lot of times things don't work out the way we thought. But what's the big picture? Lots of times things didn't turn out when we thought it was going to turn out, but what's the big picture? Well, so, so, okay, the timing, we're waiting on God to do something, it doesn't happen when we thought it was supposed to happen. Does that mean it's not going to happen? What's the bigger picture? What's God going to redeem out of this? And ultimately, ultimately, all of these things, as we begin to learn these lessons and apply them to our lives, leads to, as Howard just said, patience. That's what it leads to. But patience isn't just ignoring everything. And and I think sometimes we we get that kind of a picture, we're just going to ignore everything, that's patience. That's not patience. Patience is trusting God's love, trusting His timing, and trusting the big plan. Anxiety and doubt come in when we try to get ahead of God to make something happen. And it's in the midst of trying to make something happen where anxiety and where doubt rise up. And what comes quickly after anxiety and doubt in our lives? Anybody? Name me a couple things that come quickly with anxiety and doubt. What happens to you? Hmm? Depression. Depression. Yeah. How about physical illness? Yeah. Yeah. A lot of things come with anxiety and doubt in our lives. But most of it is avoidable by just not running ahead of God. Most of it is avoidable by trusting His love, trusting His timing, and trusting His plan in our life. We don't have to run ahead. Some inside of us is telling us to run ahead, but can't we say no to that? 
Can't we tell our brain no sometimes? Just every now and then? Give it a shot and tell your brain, overthinking brain, to shut up? Is that possible? And I know some of us struggle with other issues with that, but for, for most of us, most of us that are, you know, well-balanced individuals as we are, <laughs> could we give it a shot every now and then? Yes. Just to stop it? And I mean, really, just stop it? When we start feeling anxious and we start feeling ourselves rolling into doubt, Maybe stop ourselves and say, am I running ahead of God? Am I not? Where am I not trusting Him? Where am I not trusting His love? Where am I not trusting His timing? Where am I not trusting in the big picture plan that He has for my life? Why do I feel the need to run ahead of Him right now? And I mean really stop and ask some questions. And I think sometimes we could be self-healing in this sense, self-correcting in this sense, to just stop and take a little time in prayer. Now the other way this can work is that if we're so caught up in something and so spinning around dizzy in our brain with it, that maybe somebody else will say something to us. And the trick with that is, don't immediately dismiss it. Because if something's wrong and you're, you're living in anxiety, then maybe they have something to say to that. Something that you can take hold of and that you can make a different decision with. So if I was to ask a question, what is the greatest deficiency in the average Christian character? Do you understand the question, first of all? What is the greatest deficiency in the average Christian character? I want you to think about what your answer would be. Okay. Suggestion that I'm going to make tonight is the answer to that question is likely not what most of us would expect. Because I believe the answer to that question is wisdom. And I'll tell you why. I believe the greatest deficiency in the average Christian's character is wisdom. That, that that is our lack as a people. As God's people. Now, in order to explain that, we have to look and see what does wisdom mean. Now remember James, who wrote this, is coming from a very rich background of wisdom literature. He knows the scriptures. He's been trained in the scriptures. And so when I say wisdom literature, when I'm talking about the scriptures he would be using, anybody know what I'm talking about? What would he have been trained in? What's that? Proverbs. Proverbs. What else? What's another wisdom piece of wisdom literature? You know. Say it. Ecclesiastes. Very good, very good. Alright. And there's portions of other books that are also considered portions of the wisdom literature of the Bible. But it's deep and it's rich. And it's not just 
what we think of as wisdom. If I, if I was to ask the average person, like, what, what's the definition of wisdom? They might say something about knowledge, or they might say something about intellect. But wisdom is more than that in the Bible. A lot more than that. And we can talk about education, we can talk about going to school, we can talk about stuff you know. We can talk about your intellect, your IQ, how you figure things out, and how good you are at all that kind of stuff, and different kinds of IQs and different kinds of intellects. Because there's all kinds of them now. There used to be four or five, and now there's like eight or nine or ten, or I haven't read about it in a while. There might be 11 or 12 for all I know. But they keep defining and they keep redefining and, 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 and really focusing in on different types of intellects, different types of ways that, that people see things and can interpret things and can understand things. That it's not just writing and, and arithmetic and it's not just reading. But there's artistic and there's musical and there's all these other types of intellects that we have. But wisdom is more than that. Those things may be part of wisdom, and our knowledge of those things may be part of that, and our ability to figure things out in the midst of those kind of things, or in the face of those kind of things, may be part of that, but that's not what wisdom is. This may be a part of what wisdom is. So when I start, talk about wisdom, and, and this is the basic definition I want to give you from the wisdom literature that James would be drawn from, you want to talk about basic understandings of wisdom, it is how to live. How to live. What is the Proverbs? What do they say that wisdom is? What's the beginning of wisdom? Fear of the Lord. The fear of the Lord. Where do you start? You start with the fear of the Lord. And from there, wisdom teaches us, wisdom becomes how we live. But it starts with the fear of the Lord. Any wisdom that doesn't start with the fear of the Lord isn't the wisdom we're interested in. It's just not. And there's lots of wisdom out there. Lots of people is wise. You know, Confucius, wise, doesn't start with the fear of the Lord. That's not what I'm interested in. There's traditions within Buddhism, very wise sayings. I've read a lot of literature out of Buddhism doesn't start with the fear of the Lord. Not really that interested in that. Not going to build my life on that. If I'm looking for something to build my life on, it's going to start with the fear of the Lord. That's where it starts. In other words, a respect, a recognition. God is almighty. He's over the whole earth. And He is King of kings, Lord of lords. He's mighty. He's awesome. I'm going to start right there. God knows everything. Everything. So, let's start with that. And then you begin to move out and you begin to expand from there. So, it's not just knowledge, it's not intellect, but it's really speaking to us on how to live. And it begins with the fear of the Lord. I believe it's the sum, wisdom, is the sum of God's intent. That's why I believe it's one of the most lacking components in our lives. Because it involves spiritual revelation, it involves emotional maturity, it involves insight into things as they are, not as we want them to be, but as they are. That's the truth. 
And so as we get insight in the way things are, as we understand God's intent and we begin to put together the components of building a sum of God's intent for mankind, for God's intent for us, for God's intent for our lives, for God's spiritual revelation for us and our understanding of who we are in Him, then we know how to live. That's how we learn how to live. I'm not sure that most of us as Christians really know how to live. We know how to exist. We get taught how to exist. The world exists. People out there, they'll tell you how to exist. And they'll try to figure out how to live. And they've got all these different ideas and all these different ways of of trying to figure it out because they realize at some point existence isn't enough. And so they'll, they'll talk about... You know, I listen to guys on on their podcasts or listen to guys talking about these kind of things or reading their books and they realize at some point in their lives that they can achieve success, they can get money, they can have you know girlfriends, boyfriends, whatever they're looking for, but when it comes right down to it, something's still missing. And so then they're looking, okay, well, we need to travel or we need adventure or we need this or we need that or we need to microdose hallucinogenic drugs or we need to do whatever they want to do. I mean, all everything I just said, I've heard people talk about on a regular basis. Why? Because existence isn't enough. We want more. We want more. We've been programmed for more. There's more in our hearts than that. There's more in our hearts than going out and just working every day and making money and paying the rent and paying the bills and, and, and driving our car around. And watching what we eat. There's more to life than that. There's more to life than watching Maury in the afternoon. (laughs) I'm taking it right on the thin line for you people, alright? I am. am. I'm I'm keeping it real here, alright? So there's more to life. People recognize there's more to life. We know there's more to life. Or we should... And to me, this is the deficiency right here. If I'm to, if I'm to say to the average Christian, it's like, alright, we, we finally got you so that you can go to work every day. That's the victory? We finally got it so you can provide for your family. That's the victory? Or you're not defaulting on your car loan? Or they're not repossessing something you own? That's the victory? Is that where we're at? If that's where we're at, then our deficiency is greater than what I said before. Because God has so much more for us. And everything in the world, they, you know, they, they get everything that we're, we're, for some reason, clamoring for. You know, Jesus put this to rest. He said, you know, the Gentiles are, seek after stuff. They're the ones that are seeking after the nice clothes. They're the ones that are seeking after the money and all the stuff that the world has to offer. That's what the Gentiles seek after. He says, not so with you. Well, isn't it? I mean, think about it. What is so? What's the reality of the world we live in? Should it be so? Absolutely not. But what's the reality of it? Most Christians you know, 
Aren't they caught up in that? Yeah. Because we're missing something. We're missing something. That's the problem. We're missing a key component. We're, we're going after the only thing we can see to go after. I'm not faulting anyone. I'm not blaming anyone. I'm just saying we're just going after what we see. And fail to realize that Jesus said those aren't the things we need to go after. The Gentiles go after that. And I know we're Gentiles, but we're talking spiritually here. We need to be going after something more. And that's where this wisdom comes in. That's where what James was saying, that's where this all comes in. Is that this is more than just knowledge, it's more than just smarts. But it's actually how to live. And if any man needs to know how to live, you know what he can do? He can ask. And God will give it to him. God will give it to him. That the sum of all that God is intended for our lives is contained in that wisdom. It's all in there. So that word means so much more than just smarts. But it means, this is how I've called you to live. This is the abundance that I've called you into. And so not only does He call us into it, not only does He he want to give us all of that, but He also gives us the means. By what means shall we obtain this life that God has for us? This wisdom. How do you get it? According to this passage. Ask. Now, does that seem really simple? Yeah. But what is what is implied by the word ask? Action. Well, more than that, before you even ask, what has to exist in your heart? Desire. You have to want it, don't you? Yeah. Or you're not going to ask for it. Right? you got to want it first. There's got to be something in you that, that is looking at it and is saying, alright, that's what I want. Somebody look up Matthew chapter 6 and verse 11. And this is another case too. It's like if I'm to ask you, by what means do we obtain this? The first thing in your brain would probably be something a lot more complicated than this. If I, if I didn't set this up in this passage of Scripture and I said God wants to give you an abundance in your life, He wants to reveal to you His intent, the sum of His intent for you. He wants to bring you spiritual revelation, emotional maturity, insight into truth the way things are. How do you obtain that? Would the first thing that comes to your mind be, ask? <laughs> Alright, do you follow what I'm saying? That for a lot of people, that would not be what they would expect. What would, what would the average person say? You want to think about it. You want to read about it. You want to take a course in it. You want to go through a training program for it. You want to you know, do all of these kind of things. But it's not a matter of the head. It's not a matter. You can't get a certification in it. And it's not a matter of your head. It's a matter of the deep spirit. This is. And so something in us has to rise up and say, I want that. I want it. I want that. God, God, I want that. And so we ask for it. We ask for it. Okay, Matthew 6.11, what does that say? Give us today our daily bread. Yeah. Why do you ask for daily bread? Because you're hungry. Or you don't want to be hungry. 
one or the other. Okay? There's something in you that's hungry for it. You gotta want it. You gotta want it. And that is something that needs to come from our deep spirit. If we're satisfied with existence, our deep spirit is not going to cry out for something more. I have a hard time believing we're satisfied. I got a hard time believing that. And so my thought on it is our deep spirit is crying out. And well, you want to ignore that? Or you want to do something about it? Our deep spirit's crying out for something more. We need to start asking. We need to start begging that up. And the the reality of it is, is the begging up part, that's not really the hard part. The hard part of all of this is, is defining the need. And letting our deep spirit rise up within us, recognizing our deep spirit's role in us to rise up and to lead us into that place of asking. To empower us into that place of asking. To bring a sincerity to it. Not just, oh, this is something I should do thing. That's not what this is. Well, I guess I should ask for wisdom. No. No, this is something rising up deep in us that's sincere about it. Like, I really want that. I need that. I can't live without it. This existence stuff is terrible. And there's an intensity that comes from that, from our deep spirit, that says this is real. This is something I need. This is something that I want. This is something that means something to me. It actually has value to me. And I will pursue after it. I will be faithful to ask for it. See what God might pour out. Somebody read Matthew 7, verses 7 and 8. Okay. Ask and it will be given to you. Seek and you will find. Knock and the door will be opened to you. For everyone who asks receives, the one who seeks finds, and the one who knocks, the door will be opened. Alright. Alright. You really gotta want something. And I think we do. And I want to encourage you to get out of the way of your deep spirit that wants to shine through here. That wants to rise up within you. Don't think you just have to keep pushing things down like that in your spiritual life. We want those things to bubble up in us. We want those things to rise up in us. We need those things to rise up in us. We need those times where we're in worship and everybody else is just going through the motions, but we begin to cry and we begin to weep because something rose up within us. We need that. You need that. I need that. That those opportunities, they come up for a reason. Not to be ignored and not to save face. Because saving face is not going to feed your soul. Saving face is not going to bring you closer to Jesus. Saving face is not going to put you in a position where God's just going to pour out life into you. It'll keep you exactly where you're at right now. 
if that's what you're going to do. You want to save face? Good, you save face and you're still stuck right where you're at. When you get stuck somewhere, and I want to say this, when you get stuck somewhere, you're just going to blame somebody else anyway. When the reality of the situation is there's something crying in you, it's rising up in you, let it go. Let it rise up. Let it rise up. Whatever that's going to look like. That's where breakthrough happens. That's where life happens. That's where everything that in God's scope and in God's plan for us, that His intent for our lives. Something real, right? And so we've got the deficiency. We know what it is. Wisdom. We need it. We need life. Abundance. Revelation. Maturity. Insight. God's intent manifest in our life. We've got the means. What's the means? Ask. Now let's talk about the guarantee that James gives us here. He gives us a, he does. He gives us a guarantee on this. Literally what he says here, let him ask. And it's hard. This is a literal translation of what he wrote here. And it's hard to translate into English, but I want you to try to hear it. It's going to sound like it. It says the same thing on both ends. You ready? Let him ask of the giving God. Is literally what it says. Let him ask of the giving God. So, we want it. Our deep spirit rises up within us. Cries out for it. We're crying out for it in intensity, sincerity, and faithfulness. That deep spirit in us, we're just letting that roll. Alright? We're letting that roll. We're not manufacturing that. That's what's coming from within us. So we're seeking. We're knocking. We're asking. What's the guarantee? The guarantee is we're asking a giving God to give. I hope that makes sense to you. Who do you want to ask to give? The giving God or the stingy God? Because what does the giving God do? He gives. Alright. I know that sounds crazy, but I want you to hear that because we have been raised, some of us, to believe God is stingy. We do not serve the stingy God, we serve the giving God. And so we're going to ask God, the giving God, to give us something. What's in His nature to do? Give. It is in His nature to give to His children. God's giving is not an act. This is a good quote here. God's, if I do say so myself, God's giving is not an act, but it's a habit. He is the giving God. His nature is to have mercy, and His nature is to love. That is His nature. He gives. So, as we cry out, He gives. As our deep spirit cries out, He gives. He gives. Reveals a heavenly, divine, restorative nature that God has over us. I mean, we're always looking to touch a little bit of heaven. Here's some heaven. Right here. Alright? In the miraculous, in the supernatural... In the giving God. That's what it is. No, I know. It's just funny. 
There's a little bit of heaven right here. Right here. Right here. Sounds like it should be a line for a commercial for pickup line. <laughs> hmm. Sorry. Oh my God. Jesus, what And so the, there's a word used there, uh, liberally. And in some of your Bibles, the giving God gives liberally. The word liberally in, translated simply means simply. He gives simply. And by that, it means with nothing in return being expected. He gives because it's in his nature to give. He requires no greater reason to give than who he is. And anyone that tries to redefine things and come up with a reason why God gives to his children will automatically begin to build a theology of works. God gives because he's a giving God. And that's his choice. Yeah? I just find it really interesting like how many people will listen to a testimony of what someone else does and how God blesses them. And then they think, well, how did they do that? And then they want to go through all the motions that that person did thinking, well, God's going to grant this to me now because they want to remove that relationship and that personality of God and just go through motions. They just, you know, like the rat through the maze, pushing the lever and all that fun stuff. Well, right. I mean, and that, that's part of the issue, though, is, is that we don't... We'll get back to the desire part. What do we really desire? Right. What do we want? We want the treat, not necessarily the relationship. Right. Which is funny because why not? Right. Yeah. Because people, it goes back to cheap grace versus costly grace. What's it going to cost me? Everything. Yeah, everything. Everything. <laughs> it's going to cost everything. But when a man finds a treasure in a field, he, sells he goes and sells everything he has to buy that field to obtain that treasure. That's right. Yeah. I think it's interesting, too, that God doesn't expect anything in return as far as what He gives. Uh, this is... And there was a, another part, side of this, too, that I want to just bring out because I'm guilty of this. He, the word simply also implies He doesn't evaluate how we use what He gives us. I don't know if that makes sense to you. In other words, like we can't look at it and say, well, I know I asked for this before and then I just went out and did what I wanted to do. Why would you give it to me again? Well, he doesn't base it on that. We do that. We do that stuff. Well, in the same way, like people who receive a healing or receive a gift from God and then they're like, well, I'm not doing what I should do. He's just going to take it away. He doesn't do that. That's not how it works. Right. Because he doesn't base that. His giving is not based on 
how you use it. Yeah, I mean, it, yeah, it, it's not even the it's not the consideration, and the and the other son had to be corrected for his attitude toward it, which I think is interesting because the reality of the prodigal son is that we relate much better to the one son who had to be corrected than we do the other son who was restored. When the reality of the situation is, we're the ones that needed restoration. <laughs> I mean, you know, we don't like to look at ourselves. It's like we look at, at things kind of in a weird way. Uh, but the, the sense of justice that the, the other son had is common to all of us. And we can relate to that sense of justice. It's just not right. It's like I, 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 can, I can see myself like some of the state in some aspects of the physical Right. Relationships, whatever. But then again, I see myself as the other son when it comes to things we've we've got. You know, I see myself as the one that needs to be restored to God. But then I feel that I don't know. Is is it is it jealous? I don't know if it's jealousy or whatever it is that hey, he turned his back on you. I've been here you now he's back and it's all about him yep you know I it, it's a trap <coughs> easy to fall into but like you said with, with, with God we're the one that turned the walked away right and remember the one that was corrected was the one you just mentioned yeah right. the other one was restored right. so Well, and the one that was corrected, I'm not saying anything happened bad, badly to the one who was corrected. I'm just saying that he didn't have the right attitude. That's all. Yeah, yeah. the attitude is attitude adjusted. Right. So, so what we're looking at here, and, and I'm going to just take a few moments with this, and then we can maybe talk about this a little bit. The idea behind what I'm saying here is this, is that we have a deficiency as God's people. And that is we just really don't know how to live. I mean, I'm not saying we don't know how to pay the bills. I'm not saying we don't know how to drive our cars or whatever it is. I'm not saying we don't know how to go to work. I'm not saying we don't know how to provide for our families. But there's more to life than that. And so, because there's more to life than that, that that we're deficient in really having a deeper understanding of how it is God intends for us to actually live, and then Jesus came that we might have life and that more abundantly. So what's the more abundantly? So we got to step into life and in, in that there should be an abundance in that as we step into life. And so so partially what I'm, I'm trying to get at with this is that there's more. 
And there's a part of us that knows that. Every single one of us is a part of us that knows there's more. And what I want to encourage you to tonight is let that part of you rise up. Because the rest of this is guaranteed. I'm not worried about the rest of it. I'm not worried about what God's going to do. He gives because He's the giver. Alright? He's already established that. He gives because He's the giver. We're asking the giving God to give. I'm not worried about what He's going to do. He's faithful. He's all good. But that part of us that recognizes the need, we've got to give place to. A little more prominently into our lives. Not just an acknowledgement, oh yeah, there's more to life. But what needs to rise up in us to see that? Really. To experience that. To live that. To pursue. I mean, really pursue. Ask. Alright, that, that, whatever that is in us. That seeking, that knocking, that asking that I think needs to come from somewhere deep down inside. This is not something you, you come at from your brain. And, I, and then I want to I make that clear. I'm not even encouraging that. I think it's a waste of time. It's not a brain decision. But this is something deeper in us that needs to rise up. And, and, and again, I think it's already churning. I think it's ready. But maybe we need to make a decision, and this is where our decision comes in. I'm not going to worry about saving face. I'm not going to try to control what it looks like. I just want, I just want this to rise up in me. I want something more. I need something more. I got to live. I got to have life. It's got to be more than this. You know, most stuff I I see in, in people's lives when there's big change has nothing to do with studying. Did you know that? When I watch people change and they're discipled, hardly any of it has anything to do with reading or studying or anything. Hardly any of it. Most of it has to do with relationships. Most of it has to do with everyday things. Most of it has to do with something in them that, that cries out and and change comes as a result of that. It's not because they read the right book or they studied the right passage of Scripture or they read the Bible for X amount of time per day. And I'm not even going to give the disclaimer after that. I'm just going to say it's not usually the result of that. It's something else. It's something deeper in us that, that we see change come from. And we see real life come from. But if we're not letting that have any sway or way in us, man, it's so easy just to say the same, I guess. As terrible as that is over time, to stagnate, it sure is easy to do nothing. And less embarrassing in general. all afraid of being embarrassed. Until something snaps and then you don't care anymore.
but something needs to snap. Because <laughs> people live their lives so scared they don't even experience the moment they're in. Not fully. Yeah, that could be. Like a condition so severe that it, you can't even recognize it. Or so subtle you can't recognize it. Who knows? So let's take a few moments and pray. And uh, before I go to prayer, does anybody want to say anything else? Do you understand what I'm saying? When I say deep spirit, can you kind of sense what I mean by that? Yeah. Somewhere. I, I always picture my deep spirit down closer to my stomach. Because <laughs> it seems like when my deep spirit gets gets churned up, I kind of get a little sick to my stomach. You know, so I always, I, I always picture my deep spirit down there because I know when I'm getting churned up. And I know when I'm, I'm getting moved on. And it's, it's there. You know, bowels or whatever the Bible would call that, you know. It's the deep places. Deep places. Alright, let's pray. Heavenly Father, I, I want to just... God, I just want to say thanks uh, for your giving God. And so when we ask the giving God to give... Uh, that's a pretty big slam dunk because we're asking according to your will and your purposes and according to your plan we know you hear us and that's not really the issue tonight tonight I, I, I pray that we will allow our deep spirits to rise up and I, I call out to the deep spirit of the people that are here, the people listening to this, and I call to that deep spirit and I I call it out and I call it up and I call it forth in the name of Jesus. In the Bible it talks about deep calling unto deep. And so I call down to the deep places in us and I just speak a rising up of the deep things, a rising up of those deep cries that are in us for more, a rising up of, of the deep cries in us to, to know God more, to be with Him more, to have more life, an abundance, that there's got to be so much more than what we're experiencing right here and right now. So God, I pray that as we cry out from the deep places, I just pray, God, that that all the things, and, and I pray this just according to Your Word, that as our spirits, our deep places cry out, God, that You give freely and simply, and that You pour Your life and You pour Your abundance into us. That we actually live. And we begin to live more and more every day. More and more every week. More and more every month. More and more every year. 
God, we just want to live in truth and in reality. We just want to live in relationship. We just want to live in the abundance that You have for us, in, in the midst of Your intent for our lives. And so God, I, I just I pray our spirits would just rise up and cry out. And I ask You to name the power and the authority of Jesus Christ. So whatever we do that hinder that, I pray we stop. I pray you pour out courage to us. You give us courage to just to just let let this rise up in us. I pray for a real sense of of, of selflessness in the sense that we're not so worried about what people think, and we're not so worried about what's going on around us that we miss the moment with you. And so God, in the hours, in the minutes, the weeks, the days ahead, that we'd see our spirits rising up wherever we are and whatever's going on around us. And they say, yeah God, more. Yeah God, more of Your presence. Yeah God, more of, of the spiritual. More God of the heavenlies. More God of what You intend for us. More. Rise up. Rise up. Thanks for loving us, God. Thanks for loving us. We say, have your way. We ask these things in Jesus' name. Amen. 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 Alright. Well, good to see everybody tonight. God bless you. And thanks for coming out.